I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing Carpe Diem Regained, The Vanishing Art of Seizing the Day by Roman Krasnarek. And I should also say the American version is called Carpe Diem, Seizing the Day in a Distracted World. Slightly less sophisticated title. Um, for some reason, the American publishers <laughs> went for a different title, but there you go. Same book. Nice, nice. Um, so this book was uh, recommended to you by one of your friends uh, who said it was, um, he really, really enjoyed it and mm. thought it'd be worth reading. And then I took that recommendation upon from you as well. And we've, we've given this a crack. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to do this book. It was a really well-written uh, book split up really nice into different sections and is, is kind of a topic that um, I think often we don't think about in kind of uh, in great detail considering the term carpe diem is quite an all-encompassing mm. existential philosophy for living and there's lots of different um, catch-all sayings that people have kind of based around carpe diem you know um, living life to the fullest not living with regret re- regret um, making the most of what we do have um, things we'll definitely get into today, but it's it's interesting, you know, from what he says that this isn't actually a very well researched topic, and people don't yep. tend to think about it in any sophisticated way. So I'm um, I'm really happy with the level of detail he's gone into, and also the ideas that it sprung up. And I yep. think it's something that we'll I'll really enjoy talking to you about for sure. Yeah. So um, just a bit of background. Then this it came out in 2017. Uh, Roman Krasnarek. I hope I'm saying that right. He's a uh, what he calls himself a public philosopher, whatever that means. And he's a co-founder of the School of Life. Uh, he's written a few other books on empathy and I think he's just brought a new one out. So um deep work. Yeah, he's kind of uh it is interesting as well with this. He said he um had like a team of researchers. So as you point out, they properly dug into like the whole history of this phrase carpe diem and looked at all the different ways throughout history people have construed it and what it's meant to different people over time and he'll he talked about like he will ask public audiences you know who thinks it means this and who thinks it means this and it's quite a varied catch-all saying so mm. yeah that's mm. what the book kind of digs into and then gives you um i guess a bit of life advice on on how to take away the gold from it and then how to uh notice where carpe diem has been hijacked as he calls it by areas which aren't perhaps as fulfilling Hmm. and you know he he talks about um that there's different like interpretations of carpe diem and there's five key ones that i imagine we'll we'll go through today and how kind of finding a balance between all of them is is the way and i guess just, just to start off you know he's referring to um, carpe diem is a philosophical idea that embodies a vision of how to live similar to concepts you know love and truth he says it's about avoiding death and expressing a desire for freedom it's a call to have no regrets and to look at life as paths not uh, to have no regrets and not look at life as paths not taken making the most of the time we have so there's some ideas in there about you know the thinking self versus the um remembering self you know and the experiencing self all in there as well and he, he points out you know how over you know hundreds and thousands of years you know the, this is a saying that has kind of been embodied by multiple cultures so there's a saying in japan which is enjoy now in slovak there's live fully um there's a jewish saying that is uh if not now when and um it's just interesting how 
you know, we're talking just before the podcast started that, you know, people are very quick to give kind of advice in moments where you're either trying to make a decision to do something uh, meaningful with your life or do something spontaneous mm. or do something a bit wild, a bit out there. You know, people say, you know, um, live your best life or uh, live like there's no tomorrow and YOLO and all these <laughs> other ones that just kind of um, come through. I, I guess it's just an interesting, interesting thought that it, it is something that across different cultures is acknowledged yeah. that this, there is, there's an importance to be able to make the most of the day that you have. Yeah. But there's um, ways that that saying has been tainted. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, he, he says, you know, kind of we've all become very, very busy. It's a lot harder to be spontaneous. Kind of just do it has turned into just plan it. We have a lot of guilt around wasting time. We don't want to miss out on things. I, I mean, I'm listing quite a few here, but yeah. um, he's basically saying like modern day cultural impacts have gotten in, in the way of us being able to seize the day because we're mm. continually distracted whether that's by technology whether that's by continuing ambition to be better and more and quicker and faster and consuming and all those different things um and you know the impacts of television yeah. internet um you know modern day technology that's just pinging off in your pocket demanding your attention and in particular about that lack of ability to kind of be in one place at one time mm. there's multiple nows that we're contending with and multiple versions of ourselves that we're we're having to kind of acknowledge on a moment-to-moment basis yeah because um, um yeah y- you can think of like well the nike slogan like just do it like you can think of what, what he talks about that energy of like essentially the energy is just you know just just do it it, it, yeah. it can be poured into like buying things so just like clicking online yeah. and buying stuff on amazon it can be poured into like watching that next show on netflix like oh I'll screw it i'll just watch the next one you know it, like so that sees that energy. cake yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah it can be poured into ways which we will look back and perhaps regret uh one thing he talked about is the average I don't know where he got got these stats from, but like the average person um, in some study watches three hours of TV a day. And if you live to a certain age, the I think the average age of 79 or whatever, that would be like nine years of your life you'd spent watching television. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. there are examples of the kind of like, screw it, just do it attitude, which can actually um, not be very fulfilling. And yeah. Um, so yeah, just watch it can be one, just buy it um he he came just planet just about how, <laughs> how our lives yeah. how our lives become like in order to live a good life we have to feel productive and life becomes a series of like tick lists and rather than kind of immersing ourselves in experiences we kind of do things for the sake of ticking them off in order to feel like we're doing more and that we're making the most of life yeah yeah, yeah. so and that's that's massive nowadays well he says that one really took off since the industrial revolution and you had like the factory yeah. clock and people were you know starting to live by their watches and by calendars and but really like focusing on time and i mean yeah reading that part of the book is like i i just related to that so much you know we've all got well i have recently got my digital calendar i've got all my appointments in like so much of my yeah. life is is now scheduled and like planned um mm. and yeah that can sort of drain away any i guess actual time and also just mental energy to to practice mm. the spontaneity that you talked about 
I was keeping in mind, you know, some of the previous um, podcasts we've done about, um, you know, Thiago Forte's um, second yes. brain, no kind of <laughs> keeping our lives organized, um, you know, how we plan out our lives, um, you know, lifestyle design we've talked about in the Tim Ferriss yeah. one. Like that was kind of, that was niggling away at me as we, as I was reading through this, I'm kind of like, you know, if I, it's possible to go too far one way, you know, we're wanting to be productive and make the most of our time and not waste any of it, but also at risk of not immersing ourselves into and maybe more high quality, meaningful activities. And um, well, I, he also made a comparison to um, moving to Brazil for a number of months. Um, yeah. I think he lived there for say, on a six to 12 months or something. And uh, he was saying just how time operated on a different level. And I know me yeah. and you always reflect on, you know, if we lived in Spain, that we wouldn't be feeling the sense of urgency to <laughs> yeah. rush around and be productive and that sort of thing. I think it's, uh, I guess, interesting before we kind of get into this, just to acknowledge that there's some, maybe some cultural impacts on on this as well, you know, in the terms of how people make the most of the day and what they deem to be productive and a meaningful life and yeah. why certain places and people, even, you know, regarding like your age and your life stage as well, what what kind of pressures are you feeling to make the most of your day and what does that mean to you within the cultural context you live in? I definitely felt that yeah. when I studied in <laughs> Greece. Um, yeah, when I was studying in Greece, it was like, we'd have like a lunch break and then I was very aware that the class was about to start in like a couple of minutes and that no one was obviously in any rush to grab the bags and leave it you know it was then like five past ten past I was like guys should we really do <laughs> and like we'd stroll back and the, the teacher would be sort of late and not caring either and it would just be yeah as like this would be so different in England so there's definitely a, a cultural yeah. aspect to this like just planet attitude as well yeah. that kind yeah. of uh, how how you relate to time. I think he, he quoted some um, study where people had measured how accurate the clocks were in different countries. And I think Switzerland was like number one. And I don't know, I think he was talking about Brazil. It was really low down the list as, you know, the clocks yeah. were all over the shop. Um, it's yeah. a funny, <laughs> funny social study. Interesting. Awesome. Well, I think that's um that's a good introduction, just to kind of give an idea of, you know, what, what we're talking about and um what some of the, uh, how, how the term Carpegium has been hijacked. Um, so you're hoping to move into the the five interpretations he's got of um, Carpe Diem. Um, yeah. Which 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 one were you hoping to start with? Uh, well, so I, I'll list them. So the five um, ways he's he's researched across history. This has been um, used the way we use it is spontaneity, presence, politics, mm -hmm. hedonism, and opportunity. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the last one. Let's start with opportunity then. Opportunity. Yeah. Um, cool. One thing I remember, he talked about that word, the origin of that word, op, uh, it has port in it, right? And the word comes from um, like sailing towards a port and and then there being a, um, a, like a favorable wind. Mm -hmm. And so like you can just lift your sails and it will take you right into the harbor. And so an opportunity is like, yeah. do you lift your sails when there's some wind behind you? Like, do you, if something shows itself, do you grab it basically? Yeah. Did, or yeah. or yeah. do you feel like, no, if I lift my sails, that wind's going to blow me into the rocks. So it's better safe than sorry. I won't bother yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a cool uh, eti etymological <laughs> um, understanding of the word. But yeah, it's, it's kind of times where... Things just arise in your life, and and can you grab it or not? So, I don't know. Like, 
it's on a very small level it can be like do you notice um notice boards in your local town where they have events on mm. and, and do you just yeah. ever pick up a yeah. flyer and go to something you know it can just be small mm. things like that um and in, in, inherent in that is kind of like that there's a there's a choice in which to like are you choosing to take that um take that gust of wind behind you and go with it or are you yeah. choosing not to it's not kind of necessarily a matter of like um uh choosing or things just carry on the same like not choosing is a choice like so mm. in terms of like opportunities in this kind of that there is something has presented itself to you and it, it almost presents itself as like a fork in the road. It's like which which way do you want to do you want to go here? Yeah, um, yeah. The, yeah, the story can't, can't, he... kind of can't afford to like evade that responsibility. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. J- just not choosing to do things is also a choice. Definitely, I think that's something mm. we probably um, has come up a lot in other books. I, I really like the story he he opened the chapter with. He talked about this old guy in a nursing home um, who had been like denied. Um, the privilege of of going over to France. He, he was like a war veteran, and there was a um, what would you call it? Like, like a, an event, uh, perhaps on D Day or something, like or VE Day. Remembrance Day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he really wanted to go to it, and they they didn't let him out for whatever reason. And he like <laughs> snuck out in the night and um, managed to like get onto a ferry and like was taken under the wing of some other veterans and uh, the nursing home. You know they in the morning found out he wasn't there and called the police and tried to track him down and he'd just been out having the day of his life <laughs> and i think um yeah yeah six months later or something he died so that that would have been that was his last opportunity to do that and he just grabbed it and took it and went and did it and yeah. like it, it sort of in the news article he it sort of captured the imagination of like you know that that's a, a classic mm. example of grabbing an opportunity that's there yeah yeah, um, he talks about um, there's different ways of seizing seizing opportunities. So there's yeah. kind of like the self-seeking opportunist. So that's someone exactly like the guy I've just described, sees a chance to do something and takes it. They've made a choice. They've not been passive. Yeah. They're keeping regret at bay. And it's really on like the cutting edge of, you know, that's a choice you're making. Like you're yeah. you're choosing to do something and make the most of that opportunity. And then there's the uh, experimentalist. So that's kind of... um a bit more of a varied approach where you're kind of like taking what life presents you and you're kind of winging it as you go along, like expecting to be able to like learn most things as, as you go along. So that, that would kind of be, if you know, you were offered a, maybe a job that you weren't quite sure you knew how to do, but you were just like, ah, I'll just give it a go and I'll, I'll work Mm. it out. You know, he gave a few examples of people who've worked in some like crazy industries without the qualifications. So they're kind Mm. of a bit more, um, in the sense, like trusting that you're going to land on your feet and just kind yeah. of g- going with the flow, but in, in more of a different way, like sort of um, expecting yourself to kind of uh, pick it up as you go along. That's uh, yeah, the, yeah, the just chucking, one, yeah. chucking yourself in the deep end and just trusting you'll be all right and you'll be able to yeah. do it. Yeah. Mm. And then there's um the the next two. He said, you know, there's the death the death gazer, which is one of them. He <laughs> says, so that's on who, uh, you know, there's new opportunities every day and you know it's kind of that's inspired by um the concept of you know of death that we are going to die one day and sort of just like that real fearlessness to be like well i'm going to die so i might as well do this this thing and it's quite close to the the daredevil one which is around like thrill seeking and kind of seeking things that um like dance with death a bit like kind of on the edge like to feel a bit closer to it in order to 
to feel more alive and to feel like you've made the most most of life like yeah a, a head-on collision with life yeah he talked about the guy who walked the tightrope between the twin towers <laughs> with no oh. like, <laughs> no safety net or ropes or anything <laughs> it's like oh i felt sick reading that <laughs> it's obviously an extreme version but i think yeah. we can all relate to wherever our personal um like threshold is but that like thrill you can get from doing something a little bit scary and uh yeah you know, yeah whether it's a bike jump or a bungee jump or walking over a tightrope on the twin mm. towers it's that adrenaline junkie seeking mm. mentality it might, might be good, good time um just kind of um cr- cross over to, on a tangent here you know about you talked yeah. about you know that whole dancing with with death and you know in in modern day culture where we don't have many what he calls as like death reminders to uh, yeah. in, inspire us to kind of live our lives to the fullest you know he's saying like with main maintaining the idea that you know you're not going to live forever ever and that um you know tragedy could strike at any moment i mean there is that old saying you know i could get hit by a bus tomorrow so yeah <laughs> you know the, the concept of that but i think he's saying like not to take it too literally or it's, it's more about like kind of maintaining a a perspective and like existentially checking in with yourself regularly that the fact that you're you're not going to live forever and it's important to kind of do what matters and do yep. do things that you value um that are in kind of in line with your like a personal mission a personal you know way of living that you want to want to live by kind of, and, yep. and without that you don't get the full perspective on on the life you're you're currently living like if you realize that you've got x amount of years left to live you want to spend those years um in a meaningful way like it's not unnecessarily nihilistic to look at things that way but um no. yeah it's interesting no no definitely that's like yeah that's probably the core feature of carpe diem right he, he, hmm. in his um he, he he drew this mandala this graphic of every hmm. concept he covers in the book and in the middle of it is the yin and yang of death and freedom and this this concept not even concept this reality that we're all gonna die is fundamental to seizing the day and and to the degree that we can we have all these personal and social and cultural ways of denying our death anxiety Mm, mm. but if if you can trick yourself into thinking it's never going to happen then why seize the day right you've got forever (laughs) you you don't Mm, but mm. you can trick yourself into feeling as if you do and yeah, he talked about the med- medieval times where, you know, people were dropping like flies. There was so much more um, spontaneity and gusto and seizing the day. They're, like, mm. there'd be dances in churches, there'd be carnivals in the street popping up quite a lot. And, um, you know, people drinking and being merry and all, all these other ways of seizing the day, hedonism, spontaneity, opportunity. And that, again, with with he talked about through sort of protestantism and 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 the factory clock we sort of hammered mm. that out of society so much where it's we're less likely to um act on that spontaneity i guess mm. but yeah underpinning mm. that is this idea that you are going to die and rem- it's a very stoic and existential way of looking at things you know look back on if you're he d- he gave us all these tricks a lot of them are stoic ones but like if you imagine yourself in your deathbed looking back you know how would you want mm. your life to look if you had six months left to live what would you do with that time and seriously well, ask yourself that yeah. question I, I really like i really like some of these suggestions mm. he he puts in there so there's obviously you no know, like the stoic ones around like extracting the full value from the day you know the the deathbed test of like yeah if 
tra- transport yourself to your deathbed? Like, would you feel proud? Would you have regret? And, you know, and he talks about some of the common regrets are like working too hard, not living true to yourself, um, not being honest, um, yeah. not being open to new experiences. And a lot of those revolve around like intimate relationships. Like, I really, really like um, a couple of the ones in here. So you, you mentioned the one around, um, you know, thinking six months, 12 months times. And he goes, yeah. thinking about your life, um, you know, when people say um, live each day as if it's your last. Yeah. He's basically saying that actually that's probably not entirely helpful. Like you can probably expand, say maybe live as if you had six months left to live. Mm. Or you had, this was your final decade on earth. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, so play with yeah. that, play with, you know, use the thought experiment and play with it. Cause like you say, if you, if this is yeah. actually your last day alive, well, I don't know, yeah. you, you, the, you, <laughs> you treat it very differently than if it was the, the last day of your last six months, right? Because you can do something, yeah. you can do a project in a six month period that you can't do in a yeah. day. So, and then again, like you say, a decade is different again. So it's just mm. using these um, hypothetical mental exercises to like gauge mm. kind of what you want with your with your time. And he he, he personally yeah. said he found six months the most helpful kind of time frame because yeah. it's like it's short enough that it's like kicks your ass in gear but long enough that you can actually you know take up singing lessons or or like yeah. do a project you've always wanted to do yeah there's some some other really great ones and they you know one um like nietzsche says around like eternal recurrences like, you're not willing, <laughs> like that one. if you're not willing to like live the current life you've got over and over so if you had to live your life all over again would you still live it in the same way if yeah. not like you know make some changes yeah. <laughs> as well and there's not, also not just um, um all over again <laughs> but indefinitely like if if for yeah. infinity for eternity you had to live this same life over and over and yeah. over and over and over yeah. it's like make sure you get it right the first time because you're gonna have to repeat it forever <laughs> it's like that I, I really thought that was quite funny i quite enjoyed that one my um my favorite one actually i was so happy because it um it kind of quotes about the concept of one of my favorite movies called about time oh yeah it's uh like a, a i don't know if you've seen it i've um, not no but it's it's a it's a british you kind of call it it's not a rom-com but it you know it's yeah yeah it's like a really sweet british movie and it's about basically um this guy who has this ability to um travel back in time and relive the day he had before mm-hmm. and you know and he's um you know it's all tied in with like you know his father's his father's kind of dying so he's trying to relive moments to make the most of those times with his father but the main concept around it is is if live today as if you lived um like yesterday so you don't repeat imaginary mistakes so imagine you're like today is you're trying to correct yeah the mistakes you made of today as if you're living it again so i guess what mm-hmm. happens in the movie is that the guy goes through the day and he sees moments that maybe previously caused him anger or stress or he had mm. arguments or things weren't going well. He was able to kind of view them in a different way. So like when he was walking to work and got rained on, he kind of learned to laugh and enjoy it and just like mm. get soaked in the rain or instead of choosing to like argue with his partner, he chose to be a bit more understanding. And I guess that that's a really nice thought experiment to go like, yeah, you, you can kind of correct that mistake <laughs> as if yeah. it's already happened yeah i like i really I'll, like I'll, that idea i'll yeah. jump in on that because there's a couple of ideas yeah. and it's a little abstract so in the actual movie you're saying that he actually does go back and is able to correct things that he knows yeah. he's already done but the thought yeah. experiment we obviously can't do that so the thought experiment is sort of pretend as if today has already happened and yeah <laughs> and like 
kind of almost imagine the type of regrets you were are likely to have knowing who you are and like yes really, imagine yeah, you're yeah. repeating this day and like imagine you've already done this it's like oh don't do that again <laughs> even though you haven't so that's a bit more of a tricky one to get your head around but it's it's sort of pretending as if you've already had this day and don't make the same mistake twice yeah it's, it's a really nice I, I think that's probably my favorite mate probably because i really like the movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's a really good one. Um, yeah no I, I highly recommend it um so i think um we, we're just taking a bit of a tangent um from the art of seizing the opportunity to kind of yeah. touch on you know um death reminders and what different ways of conceptualizing that yeah. i think um i'd really like to just touch on one of my favorite um types of people who seize opportunities and one of them was the role breaker i don't okay. know if that stood out to you or not but um you know, it's kind of talking a lot about how we have different roles in our lives and each of them have kind of got their own, you know, personality, expectations, specific yeah. ways of like acting and being. So whether that's like your kind of um, your work life, your relationships, different ways you express yourself emotionally. And he's basically saying that we can change, we can learn to, but by letting go and trying to rechange our narratives. I know something we've spoken a lot about in um, maybe search for the secure base and other, yeah. other podcasts we've done, but you know, we can, we can let go of certain roles, yeah. rid ourselves of distractions, let go of the small things, hold things a little bit lighter. And he's saying, you know, decide who we want to be instead yeah. of kind of being comfortable with the already existing roles that we have, we can be open to, to changing and um, kind of updating our, updating our maps in a way we can we can change yeah. who we are we can change the roles we have in life um by letting go of like social and emotional expectations we have on ourselves yeah so th there are yeah. like yeah. there are obviously different roles we find ourselves in and mm. and they to some degree they they require different headspaces different skills like mm -hmm. even to some degree knowing that we've pressed record you and i are probably in a slightly different role than if we were just chatting and this wasn't recording right and yeah if we were i don't know at work or with partners or like in the pub or whatever your context and who you're with and what you're doing changes your roles but but underneath all that it's kind of like you can really have quite distinct personas in these roles where mm. it it becomes almost like you're just almost denying yourself. Uh, yeah, I think he, he, he says they can take over. He says they can yeah. take over and he, he asks you to go like, how authentic are we being in the or, roles we play? That's the word right. authenticity. Yeah. He, he talked yeah. about, he yeah. gave an anecdote of a, of a waiter, right. Who was just so in the role of waiter. There was just no, like it, whilst he was in this role, there was no human being <laughs> there. It was just this mask, yeah. just this persona <laughs> yeah. of like, yeah. have a nice day, sir. And like this, like this customer service front, and it's really mm. nice at times where you interact with someone in a customer service role and they just seem like a real person. Like those moments are really quite nice. And I guess he, that's what he's saying, isn't it? I'm glad you use that word authenticity because he's like, you can bring that sense of authenticity, whatever role you're in. And, mm. you know, lots of the boundaries we keep in the roles we find ourselves in are, are just social conventions that aren't actually good for our yeah. individuality. Um, Obviously. And if, if we have like one, one too many of those roles yeah. and we're kind of sticking in these different roles, we're actually kind of not living. Yeah. As you say, like authentically or like with any sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Context, we're just kind of, we're just existing in these different roles, just jumping from one place to another without actually kind of being free and not feeling fulfilled yeah. if you're constantly darting between those. Yeah. Just like bending yourself to what you think the social expectations mm -hmm. are of you in this moment. And it's like too much of that. And you start just disowning most of, yourself most of your 
free self, most of your authentic self. And he, he said that like l- limits your like personal choice and mm. your vision for yourself. Like you can really restrict yourself with that. And I think it, it goes quite, you know, nice into the whole concept. I think what we're talking here, you know, we're bringing up a lot of different like concepts and ways of being and ways of thinking about living. And I guess what he's trying to say is like, it's, it's a balance between each of these things. Yeah, we're yeah. able to kind of take a bit of that, remind ourselves of this sometimes, maybe try and be a bit more like this in these situations. And I guess like, yeah, as we kind of proceed, I think that's something I'm trying to hold on to is that not trying to go too hard on, on one of these ideas, but also think which ones could I maybe be a bit more open to, or am I, or on the opposite side, am I holding too tightly? Am I being too fixed on one role in my life rather than being a bit more like spontaneous and, and yeah. free in them, holding them too tightly. And especially, you know, think about like narratives and schema um, and worldviews that we've spoken about yeah, in this yeah. podcast as well. Like this really taps into that too. Yeah. He's, it's not, um, it's not that prescriptive, is it? He's not really saying like live all these ways because he's also saying, well, if, if you're too spontaneous and you don't plan anything, that could be a mess as well. So it's <laughs> yeah. more of a reflection of finding your own, like mm. just bringing these ideas into your consciousness and deciding mm. how, you know, how far do you want to take them? Mm. Um, mm. With that in mind, I meant to bring this up at the start. So our, our last book we covered was uh, Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order, right? And we sort of joked, well, I think we we both sort of joked at the start that although he was trying to go beyond order and like into chaos and how we can bring ourselves into chaos in a way that's fulfilling to ourselves, we sort of joked that he perhaps struggled to really go there, perhaps because of his own personality. And it was still quite an orderly approach to life. Yes. And I, I actually find in tying this book in, it really, d- like, this is actually going, this is really testing you to go beyond order and to be like, okay, order, yeah. if you're going to put chaos and creativity into your life, like, where's the limits of that? And I actually found this book was a really yeah. good add-on yeah. to the last book because it, it really pushes the boundaries of going into chaos and um, obviously yeah, it's, going it's too kind far, of, perhaps. But, um, yeah, and it's kind of it's acknowledging limit. that, yeah, it's acknowledging the dangers of things that, you know, like, hedonism and being overly spontaneous as you just said but also kind of going like oh there are some circumstances in which um it might be good for you so i I think a perfect um lead on here is you know to what he describes like the hidden virtues of hedonism which is one of the five um five ways of um, seizing seizing the day talks about you know he's saying you know the, the common conception of that is that you're just kind of having pleasure for pleasure's sake without any regard for the consequence and that sort of thing but he's he's saying that um, and he does recommend like specifically saying for like short-term intense bursts of hedonism yeah. um, as kind of like an experiential and pr- approach to life, a, a way of it's, it can be like quite life affirming, quite yeah. exciting, a way of personal expression, um, freedom, passionate living, all those sorts of things. Like there's yeah. ways of exerting yourself in like <clears throat> hedonistic ways without it being kind of like really damaging or, you know, it's not sort of kind of just like on this, uh, like a, a party for like a whole month, just getting absolutely hammered, taking every drug under the sun, yeah. like do it all that sort of like he's kind of saying, you know, there's different ways of um, <laughs> kind of le- letting, letting loose without it affecting the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah you can certainly take hedonism as a lifestyle. And as you say, like it can over time really damage you, but, and, but he's perhaps saying that we've had so much of that message that, well, to some degree, all we have is our conscious experience and our, our senses, our sensory experience is what's happening most, if not all of our life, right? So if the world has 
pleasurable sensory experience to offer us like you, you want to taste some of that sometimes you want the mm. cheesecake or or the sex or to try this drug once or twice or to smell mm. the roses you know to to learn yeah. to get back into your senses and enjoy mm. your sensory carnal experience is a mm. huge part of what life's about and obviously it can be taken too far like all these things but it can also be underdone and you can live too much in your head and and not enjoy things while they're there not stroke the cat on the street when you see one that sort of thing yeah yeah and it's kind of, it's kind of advocating for you know kind of like short bursts of immersive experiences yeah, where you yeah. can like kind of really feel everything you just described like really feel it in its entirety so and um, enjoying that yeah. is very different to sort of like buying takeaway after takeaway because you're in a rut and you're a bit depressed and you can't be bothered to go like <laughs> do you know what i mean there's like there's yeah, being yeah, yeah, yeah. there's being on top of the yeah. world and grabbing a sensory experience and loving it versus like um you know falling into addiction or something like that and yeah it's worth like, exactly reflecting like, on what you mm. want from life in terms of pleasure and you know in terms of like how how considered are you in that as well? Like he's, he's almost kind of saying that like, well, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it in like a considered, considered way rather than kind of a, uh, a total loss of control that you can't bounce back from. Like yeah. no irreverse, no irreversible damage. Like give yourself the grace, give yourself <laughs> the, give yourself the grace. Um, I guess that's, it, it kind of does go a bit against the whole kind of like, the chaos side of things like almost providing kind of like some sort of structure within which to let go and to be chaotic essentially it's kind of like mm. giving yourself that short period of time in a in a way that isn't going to kind of uh damage you for the rest of your life potentially you know yeah like yeah balancing the associated risks i suppose with the uh the enjoyment that's available yeah yeah he um yeah he also threw in a little bit here about, um, I guess, wealth inequality, because to some degree, hedonism could be um, framed as like, well, any rich people can do that. You know, who, who can afford the yachts and the the trips around the world and all this? But he was saying, you know, however poor you are, you can enjoy sex with your partner. You can enjoy a good meal, you know, well, you know, depending on how poor you actually are. But yeah, to, to some degree, most yeah. people can find small pleasures in life. You can smell the flowers, you can enjoy mm-hmm. um, petting animals or or like the sensations of holding your children or whatever it is that, that it's not just a class thing, but everyone can find uh, their pleasures yeah. in life. Within yeah. relationships and within creativity as well, yeah. I think he touches yeah, yeah. on too. You know, successful there too. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy for some reason. I don't know why I enjoyed it so much. But uh, chapter six, like beyond the the now of medi- uh of mindfulness. Okay, and kind of how. Um, so you know, the, this would be moving about- on. We've we've t- t- looked at opportunity and uh, hedonism. This would be looking at presence. The presence, yeah. So yeah. one of the interpretations of carpe diem, and I guess uh, it got me thinking a lot because you know we. I suppose I, I do quite a lot of meditation and um, listen to a lot of content related to, you know, mindfulness and yeah. ways of being. And um, also I didn't mind the the slight dig at Eckhart Tolle as well. Which I <laughs> but um, yeah, it was... <laughs> well, you and um, I have, uh, we've done a few books like the yeah. Happiness Trap, Waking Up, for lots of that mindfulness incorporative. Um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, about those like key themes of like present moment awareness, paying attention to your experience non-judgmental yeah like that a, non, a non-judgmental attitude i think it's just interesting to think that some some of the conceptualizations of like seizing the day 
is a lot about like just be in the moment, be present, be exactly yeah. where you are. That's all you need to be. You no, know, Eckhart Tolle says, you know, the uh, the past and the future are just causes of suffering. Like the mm. present moment is all that you, the present moment is like all that you need to kind of feel okay and, and mm. feel happy. But I guess he points out some really interesting ideas about how actually, you know, kind of happiness and meaning are found in kind of the responsibilities we take and the, you know, the, d- the desires we have for like an improved future. So like having yeah. goals and also having a past kind of informs us of where we are and where we're going. And that all kind yeah. of ties into like a sense of meaning. And he, he does it. He, there's this really nice quote. He says it's um, when riding a bike, it's refreshing to focus on feeling the breeze on your face. It's useful to know if there's a double decker bus behind you <laughs> and traffic lights and traffic lights ahead. Yeah. Mindfulness might encourage us to notice our reflection, but we will need guideposts based on our past experiences and future goals or desires to help us make choices and live a meaningful life. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I think that was such a good way of conceptualizing. I guess it. I, I, I think. Um, I guess I'm kind of on on a bit of a run here, but like, I think the bit I really took away from this chapter was that mindfulness is a fantastic way of being like, okay, I'm in this moment lean into it and feel it entirely like drop into the moment when when that feels yeah. like that's what you need but it's also kind of being able to notice when we're kind of getting dragged away from that too and we can bring ourselves back to whether it's an enjoyable experience or the the project or meaningful activity we're doing but it's around having having a choice whether we follow our thoughts like back to the past or into the future. And that's okay. We don't need to exist entirely in the present. Like sometimes it's helpful to be taken back to the past so we can reflect and learn from our behavior and understand ourselves more and just going with that. And that's okay. And then with the future, like it's okay to plan and have goals and set yourself a direction and have an aim and work towards something meaningful. Yeah. 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 And we can, we can go with that. There's, I guess um, it just seems if you take it too literally be in the moment yep you're you're, you're neglecting like whole aspects of psychological continuity that provide quite a lot <laughs> yeah. of value in your life yeah yeah it's really important he uh, talks that's my summary <laughs> so, yeah the um whereas the other the other four ways of seizing the day have quite more of a historic route he's like this one of presence this idea of um being in the moment as seizing the day is only sort of 20 years old, really, in terms of a cultural phenomenon. The mindfulness movement, yeah, yeah. early 2000s. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, like you say, obviously, if we're like we're, with the acceptance and commitment therapy st- we, stuff we discussed with the happiness trap, obviously, if you're only living in the past and just making like living in regret or thinking about the terrible things that are going to happen in the future, and that's only where your mind is and obviously you're going to suffer too much but yeah even that idea he points out can be taken too far in in that it doesn't mean we want to be in the present all the time like our natural human capacity to reflect back and have a life narrative like we covered in search for the secure base and and to actually have meaningful projects that we're working towards that are underpinned by our values and being able to think about the future in that regard is is a massive part of being human and the meaning and responsibility we can take from life and, and the joy that can come of it so yeah he had quite a few critiques i guess of the mindfulness approach and ways in which it can be taken too far and certainly there's a balance to be found in living in the past the present and the future 
Well, he was saying there's um, other ways we can think about it as well. You know, he did actually touch on flow, which we've um, done yeah. a podcast on. So, you know, around being like immersed in the zone of, you know, well, having having optimal experiences by mm. being like the zone of proximal development, choosing challenges yeah. that are hard enough to keep us interested, um, but not too hard that we become anxious. And then talks a bit about, you know, wonder and awe and so just beauty jump, and that sort of thing. Sorry, just other in, ways of, but he's, yeah, saying, yeah. he's saying that... Um, the way this mindfulness has been put forward it is, you know, how it's sold in like mindfulness-based stress reduction is, you know, you're very quiet, you're sat down, your eyes are closed, you're breathing slowly, you're very peaceful, you're very calm. And he's saying that we don't want to allow that to hijack our idea of what it means to be in the moment. Um, mm, so mm. sorry to interrupt you, but that's, that's, no, what, no, no, that's really what underpins yeah, yeah. these ideas he's sharing. Actually in flow, when you're on a surfboard and you're like, you're both exhilarated and a little bit terrified and you're using your skill at full capacity. And like, that is nothing like sat on a cushion breathing slowly, but you're there, mm. you're right in the moment. And he's saying there are other ways of being present than being like calm and serene that are really important to living. Yeah. And you're describing exuberance there, like what right. you described, you know, like that kind of like you're brimming with like <laughs> excitement and energy and it's all yeah. going off. And then like, you know, wonder and awe and collective ecstasy, which I really like that one too. You know, when you're like at a football match or a concert yeah. or um, it did make me think about... Um, you know, that time we went traveling in Spain and we kind of just um, joined in in like a street carnival and like left our bags with the old ladies because they said they'd look after them. And <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. kind of like went and got stuck. There was that sense of like, we were so present in that yeah. moment. Yeah. That wasn't kind of a, there was so much going on. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it doesn't need to be like, yeah, as you say, calm and peaceful. It can be just like kicking off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, chant, yeah. <laughs> like you said, chanting in yeah. a football stadium, like how in the moment can you be in that or a rave? Like he's saying there are ways don't, uh, yeah. Another critique, I guess, is don't allow the mindfulness movement to suggest that the only way of being present is to be like serene and slow and quiet and peaceful. And actually like you can be like really exhilarated and excited and that can be really mm. present focused as well. I, I like the way it's kind of, um, you, you can just use it as a tool as almost as a way of like being spontaneous slightly. Like you can kind of go like, okay, this is the moment I'm in. Here's what I'm experiencing, but I also have these other choices available yeah. to me to kind of seize the opportunity or be spontaneous or yeah. take a step back or take a step forward. Like it's it's sort of it, it opens up choice, doesn't yeah. it? By yeah. having strong mindfulness skills, like that's obviously the benefit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not around. It's not kind of a, a passive thing. It's a it's a it's a thing you can respond to and act upon and yeah, live by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. choice is what all this is about, isn't it? it? Like at the core, it's like, remember you're going to die and remember you have choice. Those are the two yeah. sort of existential um, poles which all this philosophy is is based by. And yeah, my, to mm. the degree, as you say, that mindfulness helps remind you that you have choice, that you can be at a choice point and you don't have to follow the path of least resistance or be led by your fears, then it's a great tool. But to the degree to which, you know, it you can just sort of discard your past and not plan for the future because you're going to meditate in a cave for 10 years at the extreme <laughs> end of things. It's kind of like, well, yeah. all very well, but as you look back in your life, don't you want more than that? Like, don't you want to yeah. plan for projects and to pursue stuff and to like chant in a football stadium sometimes? You know, yeah. Isn't, you know, um, is it touching on that choice? He's saying like, we, 
who we are and who we become is shaped by our choices, which, and that, that's how we get like experiential insight into who we are, what our preferences are, what a life well lived is, is by making choices. And he says, you know, um, mm. I choose, therefore I am, which is mm. a, a kind of a version of a, an older saying, which I think therefore I am, isn't it? But he's, he's saying like the simple act of making a choice, not being passive, not falling into indecision, and also the ability to know that in a way there's no wrong choice. It's like, mm. I think that's something we we've kind of discussed that we like to live by is sort of trusting the fact that by making a choice, you'll discover who you are, discover mm. what's important to you. And like meaning is to be found in that. And like personal growth is to be found in that too, because you, you know what you do and don't like what's important to yeah. you, what isn't. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's a really nice standout in this book for me. I think he, he ties it up really nicely at the end talking about that. Yeah, sure. autonomy and choice it, it is what underpins all of this. And that, as you said at the start of the podcast, that not choosing is a choice, you know, just following social mm. convention or, or procrastinating, putting it off. Those are still choices what we are we are inescapably burdened with choice in an existential way mm. and um and yeah what, what was he talked about i really like this he had this image of imagine you were making a sculpture yeah um of you and it was like each choice you make is another sort of i don't know how you sculpt at all but another brush or another bit of clay on that sculpture mm. and it's like each time you 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 lean towards well social convention your, your sculpture of you is just going to be what other people want or expect of you right but yeah. each time you make a choice out of your own autonomy you're truly making a, a creative mm. and authentic sense of self and um i've got i've got the quote here i'd love to i'd love yeah, to read that really yeah yeah because yeah, it's i think it's uh, it's worth hearing the whole way through um so um, we build ourselves bit by bit through our choices. It gives us shape. We can refashion ourselves. We may change. We may become more or less unique. Stand back and look at it. Can we see meaning in its features? Before we die, we possess the creative power to give it vitality and energy that might almost make it come alive and start moving of its own accord. Mm. I really, really like it. It's, it's, it's kind of a nice way of viewing it, isn't it? That like each of these choices just kind of helps shapes us and test ourselves against reality and we can kind of challenge our previous assumptions and we can change in meaningful ways and and also treating it in a sense of um like life as a sense of play and experimentation that we yeah, can try yeah, yeah. new things we can we can throw caution to the wind and do something totally different you know whether that's you know taking an opportunity that presents itself to us that we never thought we'd normally take yeah but just kind of going with it and seeing how we seeing how we go like do, do we float do we sink <laughs> or um and yeah also like seeing how you know how we go when we do kind of like give in slightly to some like hedonistic pleasures or uh, allowing ourselves to um do things that we wouldn't normally mm. normally do giving ourselves like permission to kind of reshape ourselves and view ourselves in a new way mm. he summed up um the kind of philosophy by saying act first think later kind of as a counter yeah. to the idea of well think before you act they're saying no the time for thinking is after your action experience then you can reflect on it reflect but, on it yeah 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 but but like he's he's like in a typical um career seeking scenario you'll be asked to you know fill out all these forms of like your aptitudes and, and things like that doing aptitude tests and 
and like trying to think your way into your perfect job, whatever that might be. But he was like, that's backwards. You want to act first, like take a load of jobs, get the experience, really see what it's like, shadow people, volunteer, mm-hmm. like, and then like, then think about your experience. And um, he said, we've been too easily led into trying to plan and think our way into our actions and that kind of corrupts or hijacks the carpe diem mentality of, well, try something first <laughs> and then reflect on it afterwards. Mm. I um, I was thinking uh, just kind of there's what one more thing I was having to touch on before yeah. we 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 wrap up, and I think it was um one of the aspects of uh how does one of the sorry five ways to seize the day around um spontaneity. So yeah. the, there's the uh, the chapter on recovering our spontaneous selves. Yeah. And um, I thought that one was interesting in the sense that he, he advocates for us developing the habit of like improvised, unplanned living. Mm. So kind of um, saying that like the plan is that there is no plan. And I, I think it, it touched on a little bit what we said before around kind of giving yourself space to do things that are unplanned. And one of the things he suggests is in your diary each week, like giving yourself say like an afternoon where you've got like yeah. no plans and you just kind of like walk out the front door and just kind of see what happens. <laughs> just yeah, kind of like, it's funny, isn't you're it? going with the flow and yeah. And, or, and sorry, just to kind of before, before you jump in, you know, he's talking about with spontaneity, it's around kind of accepting the offer that life gives you. Like, yes. When you say yes, you're open to adventure. When you say no, you're choosing safety and keeping that in mind, like mm. everything that comes to you is an offer. Mm. So with that in mind, you can let go of assumptions you can let go of your fears and judgments. And then he says, like, use everything as like a spark and kind of go with that. And I think that's a really nice way of conceptualizing spontaneity that it's it's an offer for you, you to take, not kind of as opposed to what I would view as like impulsive, which is maybe what I would consider like a bit more thoughtless. Whereas this is kind of things present itself to you and you can use your mind and be like, yes, I'm mm. gonna say yes to adventure and that's a choice I'm going to make. Yeah. And run with yeah. your like desires and excitement and, and, and ideas in the moment rather than having them pre-planned. And it was sort of a counterintuitive um, piece of advice he gave, which I thought was quite funny, but I, I can see what it would work is to actually plan in times to be spontaneous. So mm. um, yeah, like in our culture where everything is so planned, well, it's, it's almost use that strength to your advantage and say, you know, from th- three o'clock to seven o'clock on Sunday, I'm just going to block out that time, keep it free. And when three o'clock comes, I'm just going to see what I feel like and and say yes yeah. to what life has to offer in that moment and um, yeah. just run with any random ideas mm. and actually use that. So um, I, I, I was given a, a paddleboard as a gift on my birthday and um, uh, I know there's a river nearby and I didn't really know how you could access it um, and stuff like that. But after reading some of this book, I was like, right, I'm just going to chuck this paddleboard on my back and like find the river and I'll find a way to get mm. on it through a hedge or whatever. And I did it and I had a great day out and it was like, oh, I probably, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have stuck to my normal routine of whatever that was, but yeah, so I ran with that for a few days. It's quite funny. I jumped back on my skateboard as well, fell off and scratched my knee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like kind of how it's it's almost like acknowledging like, yes, the culture we live in, like you might be very busy and there's not a lot of time. And we have a lot of responsibilities. And I think that's a, 
that's kind of like a separate challenge in itself, even regards to like think about like lifestyle design. Like if your life's ended up that way that you have no time to do yeah. any of the things you enjoy yeah. or even any room for spontaneity, like maybe that's a more um wide level existential question you need to start asking yourself. But he's saying like kind of for now on a daily basis or a weekly basis, like you can find some time to just kind of like let go a little bit and just yeah. remove those assumptions, step out, like going back to another chapter, like step out of those roles you've already got, like as yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know, as like a friend or a partner or like the worker, like, and if, if scheduling is the way you've got to do it, then that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I like that idea. I, I, that's something I practice. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, you touched on it earlier when we did that, um, Tony Robbins program and getting things done building a second brain. It's so much like, well, especially that Tony Robbins one, it was like blocking and planning every half an hour of your day was basically yeah. recommended. And it, it was so you could pursue your goals and it was very future focused and stuff. But there are times where like you just get a desire and it's only there in that moment. Like, um, I don't know. So, so we do this podcast, right? So we plan the books in advance and I know in a given week, I, I like quote, should be reading a particular book. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like I might hear of another book and like, I'm like, oh, I really like my passion for that is right now. <laughs> it might not be in three yeah. months' time, you know. And so, but if you're constantly living with the plan you have at hand, you're constantly having to say no to things that are coming your way. And sometimes it is yeah. nice just to grab your passion and and like keep that fire alive while it's there, mm. and just run with how you feel in the moment. Well, he saying he says, you know, kind of in in the end chapter as well, like choices when we. We actively make choices. We know that we're um, we're rejecting certain things and accepting yeah. other things too. I think kind of with with be, being spontaneous, you're kind of a you're you're rejecting the plan slightly. You're rejecting like sticking to schedule and worrying about yeah. um, tomorrow necessarily. You're just kind of going with what feels good and like a healthy balance of that is really is really good. But then yeah. you can go too far the other way where like you know if you kind of you're constantly being spontaneous at 11 o'clock at night and you've got work <laughs> yeah. at seven in the morning and you've got that kind of, yeah, that's going just your routine. Far and, order. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're best off saving your spontaneity for the weekend. I don't know. It was funny, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, there's no clear cut answer, but it's a serious question you ask yourself, right? You yeah. can, obviously there's in, not planning anything there's a risk of live like regretting not pursuing things you wanted to and some things take discipline don't they and practice and and lots of meaning we find in our lives comes from projects that we have to you know really find willpower to pursue but not at i guess he's saying the, the opposite end of that is well what if you do all of that at the expense of ever being spontaneous and that that's mm. obviously too far and so you know remember yeah. that part of living is running with the moment and carving out a bit of time in your life to make sure that can happen mm. sometimes. He, um, he talks a bit about, um, maybe this is something for for next week's podcast, but he, he talks a bit about um, how like technology has kind of interrupted our ability to be, to be spontaneous and how, mm. you know, we kind of, it's very rare. Now you could just like call someone up and be like, Hey, what are you doing? Do you want to do something? And it's kind of, like people tend to be busy or people tend to have stuff planned out. And I think mm. we, he says we, we mistake being spontaneous for like, not exactly what it is. Like he thinks that being spontaneous is kind of a kind of going along to like last minute choosing that we haven't committed to. 
Yeah, yeah. He in a way, about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone was saying, uh, I can't remember, it was, it was like his housekeeper or something. He asked about, uh, he was telling them about his book and about technology. And, and they, they were like, well, I use technology to be spontaneous. You know, I, I don't know where I will be tonight. I, you know, someone will ask me to do this and someone else will ask me to do that. And I might choose last minute. And he, he's saying that that can just turn into flakiness where you don't commit to anything. And yeah. it's like, yeah. you're always looking up over your shoulder for the, the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. Am I at the best yeah. thing I could be at? Or is there another party down the street that's better than this? And yeah, it's really not, like not committing to any plans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He's saying like, that's not being spontaneous, just kind of reducing it down to kind of last minute decisions. Yeah. With, never committing with and just bailing on people all the time <laughs> or, or, or not yeah. is not the same as spontaneity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one, part of this book i i don't want to end this podcast about covering and that was some of the psychological blocks to yeah um, yeah awesome to carpe diem and there were four that he covered um mm. so there was there was risk overload apathy and procrastination yeah yeah um and I, I this really started to kind of hit home because in in reality what, what actually stops you doing these things and it's it's our, our psychology, right? So if we, I don't know, ran with risk, he um, he talked about in um, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky's studies on on um, that were covered in the book Thinking Fast and Slow. That that if you um, ask people to flip a coin and if they lose, they lose a hundred let's say pounds for sake of argument 100 pounds how much would they have to win to be willing to take the bet and so most people mm -hmm. won't take a 50 50 most people won't take well if you win you get 100 and if you lose you lose 100 and he said most people wouldn't even take if you win 150 and lose 100 mm. but the majority of people would take well if you win you get 200 pounds and if you lose you lose 100 pounds so he's basically okay. saying that we tend to um don't we, we tend to dislike the loss about twice as much as we enjoy the payoff <laughs> uh, uh so we exaggerate the the losses so right. we're more likely That's to play it yeah. safe right we're evolutionarily yeah. programmed to not take the risk unless like mm. the potential for reward is like double the potential of what the risk is yeah yeah and he's yeah. saying that's a psychological block sometimes to seizing the day especially in a world where you know there probably aren't lions running out to get us in the way that our psychology evolved in and so it, it i guess just being aware that we are we're all different obviously but we as just as humans we tend to be risk averse and actually to seize the day and to live acknowledging that i'm going to die someday whatever i do and that mm -hmm. i don't want to have as, these kind of regrets that you will have to go beyond your comfort zone and take risks that don't feel good in the moment but which you will thank yourself later for having taken Hmm. I, th I think also ties into that, as you know, kind of in terms of psychology, like the the risks we we don't take because of fear of failure, um, embarrassment, loss of social status, yeah. um, loss of approval, how we're going to appear to other people. I think there's a lot that plays into that as well. That's you know, a great do we, point. Do we, do we not take short-term risks because we're worried about our long-term um appearance to other people or reputation that sort of thing i think that's right something yeah worth yeah so risk isn't just mind. falling <laughs> off the twin towers isn't it and physically hurting yourself most of our sense of risk is as you just say it's it's social risk it's risk Socially of different. judgment risk mm -hmm. of like 
other people looking at us funnily because we're breaking the mold in some way or not following social mm. convention and mm. we can get trapped in thinking that that really matters <laughs> like uh, it reminds you of the chimp paradox you know who where he was like saying just choose the people in your life who actually care to you and try to only allow their opinions to sink in so you can sort of block yes. out the opinions of the masses and of strangers because if you consider like the whole world your tribe you'll never be able to do anything because someone's always going to judge you for something. Right? Yeah. Interesting um, parallel there. I hadn't thought of that one. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Um, what, what were the other, um, the barriers that kind of stood out to you? I know there's, there's four. There's, um, um, procrastination, apathy and overload. Overload. I, I think probably procrastination is the one that stands out for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I sent you a quote on that and you thought I was having a subtle dig at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably were. Probably rightly yeah. so. But no, that again, it, I guess it, it ties into risk anyway, doesn't it? But this idea that it's so easy to put off things that you're you're, you're passionate about or that are risk-taking in some in some way. Um, I think the bit I liked about this one was... Failure and, yeah. 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 Sorry. Um, I think the one, the bit that stood out different in this one is that, you know, that sometimes the the payoff is too far away for us. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I know we've spoken about that in um, other podcasts as well. You know, if it's too, if the reward for what you're doing is too far away, you're less likely to kind of act on it yeah. now, but I guess it's, uh, there's some lessons to be learned in kind of either like, um, like delayed gratification here as well, knowing like the, the yeah. work you do now, like in a, uh, you know, for example, like if you read like those three chapters of the next book we're going to do tonight, it means that you're not going to have to do it on the night of the next podcast ahead of time <laughs> right, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that sort of stuff. And I think, um, you know, kind of like the whole I'll do it later um, attitude is is obviously like a barrier to us doing meaningful things. But I guess sometimes you that there could be a balance between kind of um, putting off something for the long term, for the short short-term enjoyment, from you know other areas we talk about in terms of like spontaneity and seizing opportunities but kind of going too far one way like not considering any of your future goals you're going to kind of set yourself up for a, mm. um, some shortcomings in the future yeah well, what I, I liked about this part is he <clears> threw in a personal anecdote so he said that he was in this job that he initially enjoyed but had started to become routine and mundane and he'd had this idea for a while he wanted to run workshops on on living the good life um practical philosophy that sort of thing and after kind of complaining about this for a while his, his wife said well like you don't have to leave your job to do that just run it in the kitchen on the weekend invite some people over and just give it a crack <laughs> and yeah, he was like yeah. oh now i've heard that i i could do that so he he did he invited some people over and he sort of ran a workshop in his kitchen and um and that ended up turning into what is now the school of life and yeah, um, d being willing to do things kind of maybe in an unfinished way, yeah. like get get the ball rolling without things needing to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Don't, don't let like perfect. Really good don't let perf yeah, I think this is probably the bit that um maybe stood out was like not letting the need for perfection get in the way of kind of any sort of progress. Yeah, all, you know, taking the first step, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And what underpins perfectionism, right? It's this idea: well, if I put something out imperfectly, it's going to get mocked, it's going to get judged, I'm going to like be seen as incompetent, and that's going to hurt and feel shameful and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But he's, yeah, in in terms of sort of courage and what you're going to look back on life, having regretted or not, it's like you just need to put yourself in the arena and give things a crack and yep. it's okay to fail it's to be expected it's like 
making mistakes and falling and is part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the other one was um, overload, which I imagine won't go too much into. That's kind of around like, you know, the paradox of choice. We've got too much choice, so we don't end up making a decision. So he's suggesting like limit your choices. And he says being satisfied with the minimum acceptable outcome. So the concepts of like doing something like good enough, which is a bit of what yeah. we're talking about there with procrastination. Um yeah, certainly like in our current culture, there's so much choice of things we could do or we yeah. could be. But actually, realistically, our choices are probably a bit narrower than we think. So we might as well kind of, we, we could like narrow them ourselves um, and kind of take a step and like pursue one single thing and see how that that goes as opposed to well, yeah. trying to overload overload yourself, as he's saying. It's yeah. one of Jordan Peterson's rules, wasn't it, about... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, just choose one thing and just go for it and see how good you can kind of get at that. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, when you do that, a barrier to choosing to do that is you're going to cut off loads of infinite array of other options. If you choose something that's a high-end career, like clinical psychologist, doctor, whatever, that's going to take years of study and you only have so many years on the planet. So by definition, you're cutting off so many other options. And when you're when you haven't made that choice yet, you have just a plethora of choices. And to some degree that clinging to that is like ignoring the fact you're going to die. Right. And actually you do, you just have to slice some of those choices away by committing to something. Otherwise you just risk drifting and never getting, never following any path. Yeah. 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 Just stalling. Yeah. I am. I'm interested to just look at the last one. Apathy. Um, You know, he says it's like lack of interest, lack of concern lack of enthusiasm yeah talks about like the sin of sloth <laughs> i think you know the word laziness could get thrown into here yeah it's yeah. um yeah i guess there there can sometimes be some like psychological barriers in terms of like just generally being like stressed depressed lack of meaning um yeah. having a lack of agency sense of powerlessness depending on your maybe domestic relationships and circumstances i think it's uh i guess it's a barrier worth acknowledging that Sometimes oh, yeah. simply yeah. people don't have the the energy to seize the day. Like they yeah. simply don't have the uh, don't have it in them to kind of make the most of opportunities, or they don't feel like they can make choice or be spontaneous. Yeah. So yeah. there's a um, there's, there's sort of a spectrum of of what we might call depression, right? And we all fall on it some at some point in time. But like the it, it, I guess what underpins depression fundamentally, if it's uh, psychologically caused, is powerlessness, helplessness. Is that well, whatever I do, it doesn't matter. So what's the point? And um, yeah, yeah. And you know, obviously, this isn't going to be a catch-all cure for depression, but like, what one wherever we find ourselves on that spectrum, he, his his advice was kind of like find something you can just use your agency with and just choose to do. <laughs> so mm. however small it is, just like breaking the mold and just experiencing yourself as having choice is so important to feeling like you mm. have any sort of power. Um, and if you don't feel like that, yeah, it, it, well, it's right. Right. If you seriously don't have power and choice, then what is the point? There's, there's no point in choosing if you can't choose. That's tautological. Mm. And he, mm. he takes it all the way to like Victor Frankl talking about life in the concentration camps and people who managed to find something, some like when all their 
like physical freedom and physiological freedom in terms of food and when all that stretched back can you find anything in your life that you still have choice over mm. he's, he's saying like you know a lot of the times the people who could find that seem to be able to keep going um he also gave the example of like when an elderly uh spouse died very often the, the, the partner will die quite soon after it's something like once that essence of meaning is, is dropped from our life it's just hard to carry on so um yeah it comes back to that sense of freedom and agency and knowing that you have choice somewhere i think we've uh we've discussed some really interesting points today i've really enjoyed yeah. that it was um I, I didn't i didn't know how much we'd be able to cover but i feel like we've really given it a good a good crack here yeah. <laughs> i think um, yeah 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 that was great that was great thank you thank you yeah any um thank i you. guess any any final reflections at all or you reckon you've uh, you've given them a good a good crack i'd i'd hazard to say you have <laughs> yeah one one last point is on morality i think so um yeah yeah uh it's worth just noting that this although it to some degree this is this has a moral framework he's saying that you know mm. recognizing your own choice is is sort of an, an ethic you can choose to follow in your life however this doesn't cover <laughs> this isn't a, a a fully encompassing philosophy it's one essence mm. to your value system and and so yeah it doesn't obviously you could he talked about you can be spontaneous by like punching people and you can be mindful whilst being a sniper yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, this, yeah. Do, this doesn't cover morality um mm. and he he points that out and points out that you know if we truly have want a carpe diem value then to some degree we, we should want to value other people's capacity mm. to have a carpe diem value and therefore you know we don't use our carpe diem to steal you know other kids lunch money or or, or attack people yeah or, yeah or, or, yeah so just pointing out that in being spontaneous and hedonistic we um essentially yeah this doesn't cover morality but his his advice would be don't do it at the expense of other people's freedom yeah if, if you believe in like the carpe diem ideal you shouldn't act in a way that deprives people of their yeah their ability yeah. to seize the day yeah and he's on top of that you know kind of saying like to take it a level further like act in ways that enhance other people's ability to seize the day yeah, yeah whether yeah. that's like providing them with opportunities yeah. encouragement to overcome apathy yeah or procrastination like there's um yeah it's not just about you it's about you know, kind of helping other people to uh, achieve their their free lives, and mm. in turn creates a better community, a better place to live for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Any uh, cool. final takeaways from you, Will? Look, I, I reckon, I reckon I've I've covered everything. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair play. Um, yeah. So yeah. So next week we'll be covering digital minimalism by cal newport so um this is all about uh how the impact of technology social media um just the constant buzzing and pop-ups on our phones and emails has kind of interrupted our ability to um live meaningful and quality quality lives i think it's a nice follow-on from this in terms of some of the, the things that roman brought up about um you know, how technology interrupts yeah. and disrupts our lives. Um, particularly interesting because um, Luke's probably a little less um, distracted by technology 
than I am. So there'll be some some areas we'll be able to learn off each other and some um maybe some blind spots we can fill in for each other. But um mm. been reading this so far, great book. Be really interested to look into it because we haven't done a whole lot on technology and I guess it's a very prevalent thing that affects a lot of people. So Yeah, we'll we've covered a that. bit of um physical minimalism, haven't we, in terms of our actual stuff. Yeah. But um yeah, I'm excited to cover some stuff about digital minimalism minimalism and like you say it ties in really nicely to these cultural hijacks of like yeah um how uh technology can sort of uh take over overtake our essence to see the day by just buying it and and being immersed in our phones or and whatnot so excited to cover That's that great. me too all right mate well thanks again and um look forward to chatting with you soon yeah seize the day mate seize the day in it Bye. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>